Christchurch, New Malden, 22nd of August 2021. Katie Loffman speaking in the series, Hope Amid the Broken Signposts, The Hunger for Power. Well, today we're talking about power and how the hunger for power is present to a greater or lesser extent in all of us. And that leads to questions like, where does this power come from? How do we get it? How powerful, in fact, are we already? But more to the point, how do we use our power in a way that furthers God's kingdom? We know that God is an all-powerful God. He created the universe and he rules over it and he has the power to change the world and the power to govern the world. But like a lot of God's work, he has delegated some of this power to us. It says in Colossians chapter 1 that our earthly rulers were created through Jesus and for Jesus. And elsewhere that all earthly rulers and authorities only have their power by God's own authority. Which means that anybody in any kind of position of power is meant to use that power to carry out God's work. As in Psalm 72 that David read. However, humans have been misusing their delegated power ever since Adam and Eve. We've never been very good at accepting God's authority, which is one reason why there's so much sin in the world. How tempting it is as well for those who have power to use that power to try to get more. I think we're all familiar with that. There's the wicked queen in Snow White who was prepared to kill in order to maintain her power that she had because of her beauty. And despots and rulers in the, in the real world, they rule their countries with an iron fist. And we're seeing in Afghanistan this week the Taliban taking force, taking power by force from a government that was too weak to hold on to power without the forces of the West behind it. And in our own country, there are even politicians who use their position to further their, rule, to further their career and break the rules when it suits their own interests. They favour people with the power to help them to the detriment of those who are less powerful in society. I'm sure we've all experienced the struggle for power in our own lives, whether it's sibling rivalry or office politics. These are all ways in which people misuse the power that God has delegated to humans in order to run the world. When Pilate was sitting in judgment over Jesus in John chapter 19, Jesus pointed out in verse 11 that Pilate only had the authority to do that because God had given it to him. Power can be addictive. Some say it's more addictive than money. People jostle for power at every level of society, whether it's in the office, in a friendship group, or at the tennis club. Instead of respecting our loving God, people start to play God by bullying and manipulating. 
Humans are like hens. A pecking order is inevitable, and no one wants to be at the bottom. There's something in all of us that would like a little bit of power, even if that's hard to admit. And the reason we all feel that is because God has delegated power to all human beings in order that we can rule over the world alongside him and rule over nature and bring order to society as part of God's work. The trouble is, instead of using the power to bring about God's purposes, so often people use it for selfish reasons. And of course, using power in that way doesn't act as a signpost pointing towards God at all. Because our loving, power-sharing, delegating God intends that power to be used to bring love and justice to the world. But what is that power that God has delegated? Well, Psalm 72 sets out a portrait of the ideal king. His first attribute is justice, given to him by God. That's how the psalm begins, by describing the good king. He's righteous and just. He exercises righteous judgment in order to bring justice to those who get a raw deal in society, those suffering from poverty, oppression and injustice. And interestingly, the result of that justice is that his reign brings prosperity to the whole country. Because the poor are catered for, everyone is richer. Other countries will recognise that and respect and serve him. That's what's described in Psalm 72. The good king will be merciful, taking pity on the weak and needy and saving them from oppression and violence. He values every single citizen, no matter how insignificant they are. Because he's been merciful and rescued his people, the result is fertility in the land, corn growing all the way up to the tops of the hills and fruit trees everywhere. And the, all the countries around will be blessed by this, <coughs> this just and merciful king and they will bless him in return. So this is the Bible's picture of what a good king should be. And that's true power. To do everything you can to bring about God's values and God's kingdom in order to be a blessing to others. The Jews of Jesus' time took this psalm to be a prophecy about the Messiah and the early church took Psalm 72 as a description of Jesus. So how did Jesus embody that ideal? He was God with all the power in the universe at his disposal and more, and yet he left all of that to become a human being. But not just any human being, he identified himself with those who were completely powerless. He became a Jew, living in a land under Roman occupation. He surrounded himself with rough and ready fishermen and the like. And his mission was not to the upper echelons of society. It was to single women, immigrants, lepers, all people with no power whatsoever. He even called himself a shepherd, 
and shepherds were some of the most powerless people in that society. But he didn't just identify himself with those people. He saved them. He saved us through his justice and his mercy, giving us the power to become his children. Yes, Jesus did also exercise power over nature, power over demons, power over illness and death. But he also chose to limit his power and ultimately to make himself subject to the leaders and authorities who exercised God's delegated power. And by doing that, he was fulfilling not only this psalm, but God's promise to Abraham by being a blessing to the whole world. How powerful do you feel? Do you wish you had more power? Sometimes we can feel powerless in the face of world events or national politics or even the events in our own lives. Sometimes it feels as if our vote hardly makes a difference. Maybe you feel powerless in the face of something that's happening to you at work or you can see things going awry and you're wondering how to use your influence to get things onto a better course. But we're not powerless. We can gain power from the Holy Spirit in us as we gain power from being in the presence of God. When we spend time with God, reading the Bible and praying, he can empower us and make us bold to act for him. So spend time with God. Talk to him about the areas where you need his power. Think about it in the light of Psalm 72 to keep your thoughts on track. And pray for God to work through you to do his kingdom work in the world. We need to recognise the power that we have. Here in New Malden, we are in a powerful position. We have free speech. We have social media. Lots of us have the privilege that comes from being white. And we're living in a rich country and we have our spending power. All of these things are given to us by God to use for him and to use it in line with Psalm 72 to bring about God's kingdom. So if we are to exercise our delegated power that God has given us, what can we do? Well, whenever we find ourselves in a position of authority over people or with power over a situation, we should remember the principles of Psalm 72, that power is given to us in order to defend the needy and be gentle with the weak and the afflicted. And that applies whether it's in our own family, if we're in authority over our children, or at the office with people in our team, or anywhere else where we're in a position of power. God has given us that power for us to act with justice and with mercy. But it also applies in our dealings with other people. There's a great deal of power in our use of social media. Comments made on something like Twitter can blow up and have big effects in the offline real world. Some people take a pride in calling out someone for a misguided comment. 
And because they disapprove of that person's views, they encourage other people to weigh in or stop following them. And before long, there's a barrage of criticism, which is hurtful and overwhelming. And the effects go beyond social media, and they're felt in the real world, often in ways that seem disproportionate. People can lose their jobs and their reputation. And this is what's often been called in the media, cancel culture. The encouragement to cancel someone's influence, to cancel someone's position in the world, to silence their voice. And this is when the values of free speech come, against, come up against someone else's rights. Yes, we have free speech in this country, which is a powerful thing. But like any other power that we've talked about today, it comes from God. And it should be used fairly and with mercy. There's no place either for bigotry or for mudslinging in the Psalm 20, 72 use of power. And we have other power too. As users of social media, we have the power to amplify the voices of those who their voices often go unheard. If we're white, we can use our white privilege to retweet the views of other people of colour to an audience that perhaps they wouldn't otherwise reach. At the same time, we can adopt a spirit of humble inquiry to listen to the voices of those who speak more quietly in our culture, to follow people who are marginalised or not mainstream and find out what their concerns are. And then we can use the power of our networks of friends and followers to build up those voices that need to be heard. Sometimes that may involve taking flack from the opposition. But if we're truly using our power on the side of the oppressed and the needy, as Jesus was, then opposition is kind of to be expected. We just need to maintain respect and humility in our responses, again, as Jesus did. I want to end by telling you about Andrew. He was out with Jesus on a mountainside, miles from anywhere, and it was getting close to dinner time. All of a sudden, thousands of people appeared, coming up the hill to see Jesus. Jesus' first thought seemed to be, that this is meal time, so what are we going to give these people to eat? Another disciple, Philip, was horrified. He focused on the problem, but it just seemed too daunting to even begin to try and solve it. It would take a year's wages to buy enough for these people to just have one bite. It's far too daunting to even think about. So he dismissed the challenge. But Andrew focused on Jesus. He spotted a boy with some bread and some fish. And although he knew that it was not nearly enough, he offered it to Jesus. He might have felt a bit silly and a bit inadequate, but he cared about those hungry people. And he wanted to please Jesus. Jesus took what Andrew offered and he transformed it. And that tiny amount fed 5,000 people. Jesus did a powerful miracle. 
But Andrew's willingness to find something, however small, and offer it to Jesus, it was that that enabled Jesus to do the miracle. Andrew could easily have dismissed the bread and fish as too small to bother with. It's not even a drop in the ocean. What's the point? If he had, then Jesus might never have done that miracle. Andrew used what little power he had to bring a tiny contribution to Jesus. And Jesus used his power to transform it amazingly. When we spend time with Jesus and we work alongside him, what we do will have far more power and effect than we could ever imagine. As we act in faith, with compassion and obedience, mercy and justice, however inadequate we may feel, God will transform what we do with powerful results. That's power. Not the power to play God. Not the power to lord it over other people. But the power of being a child of God. Being a blessing to the world as we help him to bring in his kingdom.